Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. You lucky people are getting a second show with me, Andrew Musgrove and Aaron Stokes this week because after Newcastle's 5-1 victory against West Ham, we felt we had to do a second show this week to celebrate the absolute dominance of Newcastle United. High-flying magpies running wild across the whole entire Premier League. Are we getting a bit ahead of ourselves, Aaron? I mean, it was a great performance Everyone is on cloud nine. Just sum up last night, uh, last night's victory. A really, really weird game in the sense that I didn't actually think Newcastle played that well. Certainly not in the first half. I think second half they really did pick it up, but the first half they were just really clinical, but also at the same time really sloppy. You know, a lot of lost possession. Eddie Howe obviously rightly giving them sort of a, a telling off midway through the first half. Um, but look. You know, we've been more on this side the last couple of months not being clinical and last night they proved they can be. Um, but I mean, boy, did West Ham make it easy for them. Yeah, they did. And we'll get on to, I mean, there's been plenty of comments from the West Ham side about just how bad they played last night. But totally agree with you, you know, that the, the first half, very sloppy in possession. No side really wanted to hold on the ball, it looked like. And if anyone was better in the opening kind of 15 minutes or so. It, it, it was West Ham. There was a lot of space for West Ham to run into. Um, a few of their players was, were given kind of the the open of the pitch to kind of just maraud forward. Bruno, you know, very fortunate to escape scoring an own goal. Uh, Tipman Bowen's uh, corner uh, cross, sorry, on, onto the, the post. And the goal, Wilson's goal, the header, came really came against the runner player, didn't it? Yeah, massively. I mean, the first 10 minutes were so shaky and you thought, you know, it was so unlike Newcastle. Um, as you say, Dan Byrne was getting absolutely you know, roasted by uh, Jared Bone down that right-hand side. Maxi, Byrne, Longstaff just not wanting to keep hold of the ball and you were thinking it was going to be one of those nights. I mean, I remember, you know, when I lived down in London, I, I did some horrible games at the London Stadium. Um, and I thought it was going to be another one of those nights. But like as I say, um, took their chances really, really well. That, that first goal against the runner play, fantastic play from Maxi. Good to see Callum Wilson clearly, you know, finding his shooting boots again, which is what we want to see. Um, but certainly after those first 15 minutes, I was thinking, here we go again. It's going to be another another shocker at the London Stadium. You know, we, we've got clinical there in the title. You've mentioned it there. That's what the good sides do, isn't it? When you've got your back against the wall, which I felt Newcastle certainly did in the moment in 15 minutes or so, you go out and you score a goal against the the, the run of play um, and you, you take your chances. We've said it many times on the podcast, probably too often, about Newcastle United just not taking their chances. So it was really good to see in a, in a first half where they weren't exactly at their best, they still go in 2-1 up because they've taken the chances they've created. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as, I've, as I've touched on, we, we've been really critical of this side the last sort of, well, the first two or three months of this year, saying, you know, they're not being clinical enough, something needs to change. And actually, it was really pleasing to see two players, how brought back in, who had previously been dropped in Callum Wilson and Joe Linton finding the net. I mean, Joe Linton, if that had been, if that game had been played in 2018, there's no way he would have tried to take that wrong and keep her. That would have been chipped into the keeper's hands. There's no way he would have scored that second goal because it was so confident and he you know he was just fearless when he was driving towards the defence. So, yeah, look, it's as you say, the good sides can win when they don't play well. And and 
yes, even though Newcastle really, really improved in the second half, um, they were just absolutely fantastic in front of goal, which is which is what we want to see. Do you think that, especially in the first half, and we've mentioned the fact that Bruno went close to scoring on goal, Pope had to save a free kick from Paqueta, Botman with a last-ditch challenge as Antonio ran on through. The fact that they've won 5-1 but didn't actually have it all that easy, does that do something more than if you were just winning 5-1 you know, and, and you didn't really have to get out of first gear? If I'm completely honest, I think it, it can be seen as a huge positive in the sense that Newcastle are putting five goals past the team and they've still got another two or three gears that can go up. I think it was a similar case at the start of the season when they played Brentford at St James's Park. Wasn't a vintage display and yet they still scored four or fives on that day as well. Um, it's really good to see that, as you say, that they're hammering teams without playing at their, you know, their top level, what we saw against you know, Manchester United on Sunday against the bigger teams this season. Um and look, last night for me was going to be a huge banana skin. I think I was thinking after that great result Sunday, I wasn't actually that confident going into last night, um, despite you know West Ham's form and their league position. So just good to see that you know they've avoided that, and it's just a huge confident boost for Saturday as well. Yeah, most certainly. Graham says we rode our luck, and then the quality uh, shone through. Colin says great performance, getting the tune army and. Let's just briefly talk about that starting eleven, Aaron, because again, Eddie Howe surprises everybody with the changes he's made. Joe Linton coming in for for Willick, Wilson starting uh, for Isaac, and it pays off. Um, but did the starting eleven come to a bit of a as a bit of a shock for you? If I'm completely honest, I thought he would rotate at Brentford Saturday rather than last night. Um, Willick, I can understand. You know, they weren't too sure about. Um, how serious his hamstring injury was on Sunday. Wilson for Isaac was a big call because Isaac's finally, you know, finding his feet in this team. He's had a good run of games. He's finding the net. Um, but look, Callum Wilson just loves scoring goals against West Ham. It was a, you know, a brilliant, true decision from how to bring him in. Um, and it goes back to what we were saying the other day, actually, on, on the on Monday's pod, and that is Newcastle have got, you know, real options now off the bench. The fact that they can rest their fifty-eight million pound record striker, they can rest their most informed midfielder in Joe Willock, and actually the team doesn't become weaker. It's it's a huge positive to have. But that the starting lineup did surprise me. Um, but look, based on Howe's comments last night, it looks like there could be more rotation on the way on Saturday. Great to see, as we've mentioned in, in several of the episodes recently, that everyone that's given their chance is taking their chance. Everyone that comes off the bench is 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 you know, impressing and it must be brilliant for Eddie Howe and his, his coaching staff to have that and, and to sit around and thinking, goodness me, if we if if we want to be justified in making any changes, it's it, it's difficult because everyone's on on top form. Um, you know, it, the West Ham side of things, Aaron, uh, and we'll hear from David Moyes in just a moment, but you know, they were very much in their opinion, uh the goals came from their own errors, they, they were their worst own enemy, but as um, someone's just said here in the comments, Peter, Newcastle are making other teams make errors and we make the most of them. It wasn't just the case that West Ham were, were poor in that setting off. Newcastle forced them into the errors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, fantastic work from Jacob Murphy for the third goal. You know, that pressing was absolutely fantastic. 
Joe Linton, as I said, you know, playing to the whistle, similar to sort of the, the Shelby goal at Sheffield United a couple of years ago, where West Ham just sort of stopped and, and Joe Linton thought, no, I'm, I'm going to keep going. And as you say, you know, Newcastle are putting them under pressure to make these mistakes. I think if you're a West Ham fan or you're David Moyes, how fuming must you be? I mean, you'll never see five easier goals in a single 90 minutes, probably for the rest of, you know, the, rest of the season, if not longer. Um but yeah, just good to see that they were absolutely on top of their game. On you know, on another night they could they could have let those mistakes go unpunished. Um, but just a really, really they they look like a team banging form. And as, as we said earlier in the show, teams that are are in this sort of run of form, confidence is so high, they don't actually need to play that well. Um mm. and I just thought it was really good to get those two goals early. And, and, and West Ham, I mean, you know, they were never, ever, ever coming back into that after Wilson scored the second. You know, obviously, Declan Rice came out when he said, in my time here as a team, we haven't conceded five worst goals. I think it's a little bit disrespectful, actually, from, from Newcastle. I'm going to write a piece later for the website, but I'll, I'll just briefly explain why now. Because, yes, OK, from West Ham point of view, you've been careless in possession or, you know, what have you. But, I mean, you know, the Wilson goal... Brilliant cross, brilliant header. The Joe Linton goal, what a ball by Fabian Cher. Controlled by Joe Linton. Cool, calm, puts in the back of the net. Uh, the Wilson, the second goal, Murphy. So he could have taken that shot, but he's thinking, he's switched on. He's probably actually got a bit of John Anderson's voice in his head. head you know, <laughs> if he shoots and misses, it'll be put it in the back of the net. So he squares it at Wilson and Wilson does it for him. Uh, the Joe Linton goal, brilliant. And then the, obviously the Isaac goal. I mean, to bring that down, you watch the way he, he, you see the way Isaac's brain works there. He slows down because he anticipates what Fabianski's going to, going to do. And I just think it's, it's, it's a quality in that moment to stop, slow down, chest it, calm over the keeper, over the defence, back of the net. A little bit insulting, I think, from a West Ham point of view to, to, to say that. I can understand why they're saying it, but I think there's enough quality in each one of those five goals to say, wait there, wait there. That's only part of the story. Newcastle United showed quality in each of those goals last night. Yeah, I think I think you've got that pretty much spot on. And, and as much as we've you know talked about the first half performance and they've been sloppy, I thought the second half was actually much more assured. Um, you know, they never looked like throwing that game away. And I mean, I can't believe we're ten minutes into the pod and we haven't spoken about Alexander Isaac's hands on the hips, just watching that ball. Joe Willick did his Cherry Henry impression on Sunday with that celebration. And Isaac thought, well, I need to, I need to go on better, actually. That was just prime Henry as that uh, you know, that ball slowly went at the net. But but you're absolutely spot on. I thought I thought Newcastle, for the majority of the game, were good after they got the sort of early mistakes out of their system. Um and yeah, look, I mean West Ham will they'll just want to forget this game as quickly as possible. I'll tell you what, um, we've got Geordie Tune for Life there saying it was only two mistakes from West Ham. The three goals uh, were from good play. Let's hear from David Moyes now. This is what he had to say after Newcastle United beat his West Ham side 5-1. I thought we had we were competitive in the first half. I thought we were but certainly unlucky to be 2-0 down, but not by the standard of defending. Uh, but... We got back in it, and actually we were a bit unlucky not to have got a second goal just before the finish as well. So before half time, so at two one at half time, I'm saying, like we're right in the game here, go about the job, do all the right things. Within I don't know 15 20 seconds, we'd probably give ourselves a, a mountain to climb by giving away a third goal. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've not gone in hard on the team tonight because I think when you make individual mistakes, you don't need to be told. If you said that there was there was huge sort of tactical errors errors in it. Again, even the first goal, we head it out for a corner. You know, we defend the corner quite well. We don't defend the second bit particularly well. The second goal was. I couldn't even use the words I'd like to use on what my thoughts on the second goal. You know, the boy centre half can kick it right through the middle of you, and somebody can run off the line and run through and get in. So, and then as I've said, the other the, th- the goal three and four were were individual mistakes. He looks very upset, doesn't he? Very dejected. Not not a surprise, I guess, because he's in a bit of a situation down at the London Stadium. But what, what did you make of his comments? Yeah, I, I think they were to be expected. I think, based on last night's performance, even their 1-0 win on Saturday, I think he's looking like a man on borrowed time. Um, interesting to say that he didn't go you know, too hard on his players after that defeat. I thought there would have been you know, hair-dryer treatment at full time. But it's, it's just interesting. I, I was thinking about this last night, how quickly things can change. If this game had been played 18 months ago, two years ago, it would have been West Ham in fourth and Newcastle probably, you know, in the relegation battle. It's Eddie Howe sort of alluded to it earlier this week when asked about Potter and, and Conte. You know, things can change so quickly and, and West Ham, who are, you know, always that team trying to break into the top six and now suddenly, you know, really, really have a fight on their hands to stay in the league. But, yeah, there won't be much complaints from Newcastle fans. No. Um, and you mentioned there, about what Eddie Howe uh, may or may not have done at half-time, but we saw uh, when there was a bit of a break in play, I think it was when Nick Pope went down, he was getting a bit of treatment. He, he, You could see he was visibly upset. And, you know, he said afterwards, it's because of the high standards that we've we've set here. And as a fan, it's, it's just great to see that, you know, that from the manager on the touchline you, you know you know you, you know that you've you've come under the expectations of, of what Newcastle expect from you and to, to be told that and for the manager to react in that moment to seize the opportunity when there's a little break and play fantastic to see and it, it obviously it, pay, it paid benefit to Newcastle yeah absolutely it was it was really really out of character I think for Eddie Howe we you know we we very rarely see him lose his cool in that manner on the touchline Unless there's you know been a big decision go against them, it's usually Jason Tindall, sort of the the Rottweiler on the side of the pitch. And to think Newcastle United were tuning up at that stage in the game, it was actually really, really, as I say, out of character for him. Um, as how said at full time, and as you've touched on, it's because the standards are so high. He knew that you know the game wasn't actually going as well as the scoreline uh, showed it to be. Um, and yeah, just good to see that there's you know, there's no let up at all. You know they wanted more, um, and they wanted it more than West Ham. Yeah, it could have been a few more goals as well. Uh, Ian says yes, West Ham made mistakes in defence, but a third goal would not have happened if Murphy hadn't pressed the defender into the error. Teams just cannot cope with our press. Richard says Murphy looks class. I mean, that Nando's bet, Aaron. You know, it, it's looking like a. I mean, I was just right, wasn't I? Just it feels a long bit. time ago that, and it, I'm really, really glad that I didn't make it a recurring theme for when he started. I <laughs> oh, I'm glad it's not a weekly bet that we've got on. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be making any of those bets anytime soon. Um, he was really, really good again last night, and he's really hardly put a foot wrong since coming into the team. He's probably the player that 
was out of this current starting eleven. He's probably the player that's fighting for his future more than most. Um, he just looks really assured. He's playing with a lot of confidence. That assist last night was really, really selfless. He's got a very good understanding with Callum Wilson. Um, and I'm look. I, I know we've said it before, but I'm delighted for him personally. Local lad, living the dream. He's had a really tough time of it. Um, but he just looks like he's really, really fitting in this team. And you only need to go back to Sunday and look at Eddie Howe's comments about the player, you know, talking about the outstanding qualities he's got. He's never let him down. He's a team player. And, you know, we always go on about how Eddie Howe wants these type of characters in the dressing room. And, and Jacob Murphy just absolutely exemplifies that. And on the other flank, Alan St. Maxman had another fantastic game. We have been very harsh on him in recent weeks and recent months. Yeah. I- I, I'm not going to take anything back that I've said about him. Um, we also said it was a big end to the season for him because if his performances didn't improve, we could well see him being sold in the summer. Now, the last few weeks, he's hitting that consistent patch that he needs to, I think, to secure his place for next season. And it comes with a little bit of frustration because it's like, well, where's the, where's this been? I know he's been injured, but he's he's also had enough time, I think, um, to, to to perform. It's just fantastic to see him putting in yet another top performance. He's, you know, he's thinking about it. He's not being greedy. He's making the right pass, the right decisions at cross, a bit of footwork, brilliant, back defending last night when it, when he needed to be as well. And I'm just hoping we see that again on Saturday if he plays, then against Villa, and it just keeps rolling. Because if he can hit those highs, he's in the starting 11. He is in the starting 11. And he's, you know, he's one of the best players um, that Newcastle United have got. We just need to see it on a more consistent basis. And last night was another step towards that. Yeah, look, I'm going to agree with you in the sense that I I won't take anything back. We have been very harsh on him, but I think it's because we know he can put in performances like that. We know he can put in performances like he did against Manchester United on Sunday. But this is what we've been asking for, consistency. And, you know, you said it on Monday that he could easily have turned around last night and had a stinker. He could easily turn around and have a stinker against Brentford. But it's really good to see that he's actually building some consistency. He's clearly playing with a lot of confidence again. He looks much, much fitter um, than any other season I've seen him playing in a castle shirt. If he can do it against Brentford and then do it against Villa, and there's just no drop off between now and and May, he's he stays at the club. I know he's one of their only sellable assets, and there's there is interest in him from you know abroad, and I'm sure a lot of Premier League clubs would, would fancy taking him. But as you said, when he plays like that last night, when he plays against he did against Manchester United, he fits in this team perfectly. Um, and he's starting to I think the last couple of months he we've noticed that he's started to look a bit restricted in this team. He's trying to change his game. He's starting for me to strike that balance between knowing when to take a player on and get to the byline and knowing actually when to give it and, and go. And I feel like we're just seeing the old maxi, you know, which is what we've been asking for for months. Yeah, John says, very interesting watching St. Maximum recently. He seems far less selfish with the ball now that there's a greater quality around him. Great to see and it and it and it is and it's interesting because obviously last summer it was all about Newcastle wanting this right winger um Musa Derby top of the list sort of thing Miggy stepped up and then suddenly you know the the, the need for a winger isn't as press and then you could arguably say the same about you know the left side you know obviously they've gone out and got Anthony Gordon who fits in there um 
But if, if Miggy con, if so, if St. Maxman continues, then the need for maybe another forward in in the sense of where he plays isn't as as pressing. And maybe he's he's realised that just like Almiron did that they're going to have to step up and and prove their worth. We've said it, it feels like every couple of months we end up saying, "Oh, look, it's a huge couple of months for St. Maximum." You know, he's really got to play for his future now. This time around, he really does because, as you say, you've got Gordon. Anderson, Joel and and the threat of a of a new sort of left midfielder coming in the summer. You've got all that to consider. Maxi's stepped up, um, as Miggy did at the start of the season. As you say, it takes less pressure off the recruitment, you know, team to find a, a replacement for him. As we've said, it's just all about doing it consistently. Now, if he can continue this form till the end of the season, I think he stays beyond the summer. Uh, one man who uh, I'm not going not gonna to criticise, but had a difficult uh, time of it against West Ham for, for some parts of the game was Dan Byrne. Uh, we messaged each other and said kind of the same thing. You know, he's, he's struggling a little bit. Matt Target came off and had a bit of a, a cameo. <laughs> Look, anyhow, doesn't like a change of winning side, but given the close proximity of these games, is it maybe the perfect opportunity to switch it up and bring in Matt Target and, and maybe use the excuse, well, you know, we're rotating players um, when in reality it might be just, it might be the open door for Matt Target to say, right, come on, go on in, in your spot. Yeah, I, I think I think the reason for, for wanting Target to come back isn't because of, you know, how Dan Burns played. Yes, he had a he had a stinker last night. Let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. He, he really did look to be struggling out there. But I think he looked tired. You know, he looked shattered from the first minute. I mean, that first run Jared Bone had down the right-hand side two minutes in, I think that just took the steam out of, yeah. of Burn completely. Um, I think Brentford on Saturday, as, as we've already touched on, I think more rotation will come. I wouldn't be surprised to see Target brought back in, which, you know, good to give Dan Byrne a rest, but also we've been clamouring to see Target, who really hasn't put a foot wrong in any Castle shirt. Very, very unlucky with the timing of his injury. To lose his place in this, you know, starting eleven. So, I don't think there'll be any complaints if he comes back in Saturday, um, along with a couple of other changes. Come on, then, Aaron. Let's give John what he wants. Can we talk about that epic team move, which ended up with Fabianski tipping the ball around the post for uh, from from Jacob Murphy? Sublime stuff. Yeah, a fantastic move would have been, you know, a contender for goal this season had it went in. Um, I did find myself doing a little bit of a John Anderson when Murphy, you know, missed it. Yes, it was a good save from Fabianski, but I think you've got to be scoring from there. Um, and it would have been really, really good to see Murphy get a goal. I know he's been assisting and playing really well, but I think we all want to see him celebrating one of his own. Um, but yeah, fantastic move. Some of that football in the second half was really, really, really special. Um, when West Ham sort of got opened up a little bit more at the back, Um which is, yeah, just really, really hope he gets himself on the score sheet soon. Yeah, it would have been the perfect uh, goal last night, wouldn't it? And it was, it was just Newcastle kind of at the best, you know, fast-flowing, quick. And we've seen that throughout the season, really. Um, and, it, and it's quite interesting as well, is that it, it, a lot of the, the good play over the last few games has come from Newcastle pressing, pressing high. And when Newcastle had that little blip, they weren't doing that as much. And I think... You can, and they weren't really moving as quickly either. And you can sort of see, I think, the two main elements of Eddie Howe's Newcastle United is the press and, 
and then is hitting teams quickly on the counter if they've managed to somehow get the ball up towards Newcastle's defence. And when both of them things happen, both of them things come off, Newcastle really are forced to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think they are one of, if not the best pressing team in the league this season. I, you know, I always remember the best, Klopp, the best, no question about it. They when when Klopp came into the league and it was, you know, rock and roll football, I feel like it's so close to that now. The the ferocity with with the with which they press is just ridiculous. I think also whatever they're doing on these warm weather trips is working wonders. Every time they come back, they look so refreshed. They look, you know, their form, you know, just goes through the roof. Um, and I think before the international break, they were starting to get tired. Yes, they beat Wolves. Yes, they beat Forest. But there wasn't that intensity. They've came back in their first two games in the space of four days. You know, they just look a different animal. So huge task against Brentford, who do really, really well at home. Um, they've got some big results there this season. But look, Newcastle have won there before. And if they can get in their faces like they did West Ham, another win on the cards, I reckon. Why do you think they started so slowly? against West Ham, you know, because them opening, especially those open five, ten minutes, West Ham really pressed them. And it felt that the, the corner that came, uh, you know, that eventually led to the goal, Wilson's goal, you were kind of relieved for that corner. It was kind of, oh, okay, we're up the other end, just <laughs> breathe. Because West Ham had had really pressed them. Why, why the slow start? Uh, I'm not too sure. I think West Ham's home fans were certainly up for it. And I think that that fast start from then, you know, only sort of, um, you know, made the home fans more up for it. As you say, that it was their first real attack when they went up the other end and got the corner. Um, I don't know what, what I'm not going to say it was the occasion, but I don't know, was it was it the stadium? I think once you start like that as well, Dan Byrne putting the ball out of play, Dan Byrne giving the ball away, Maxi giving the ball away in the, in the first couple of minutes. You know, there's no rhythm at all. We saw against Manchester United the other day, Newcastle United started so well and they just sort of built from that. There was was that sort of how West Ham was starting the game last night? Probably. I think the goal came at the perfect time, but I don't know because it's so unlike an anyhow team to start in that manner as well. So, yeah, I, I can't really put my finger on it. Yeah, it was a bit like hot potato, wasn't it? The way the ball was was being passed around. They like just didn't want it. Yeah, yeah. Both sides. Um, Joe Linson with the two goals. Look, he, he gets his start. I mean, he was running around like a man possessed, yeah, like an absolute tank that he is. He, you know, he let Paqueta know that he <laughs> that he was there a few times. Um, but to get the, the goals, I mean, how important is that going to be for for Big Joe? Oh, huge! Because you know he's been arguably one of the players of the season this year, but mainly for his work off the ball, for what he's done, you know, further in the, down the pitch. The way he carried on last night for the first goal and just took it around the keeper as if he wasn't there, just great to see the confidence, you know, that we've been asking for ever since he signed. That second goal, I know West Ham were tired and they were leggy and it was at the final stages, but he just never looked like not scoring, you know, picks it up, takes it in stride, only one thing on his mind, shifts it onto his weak foot and it's past Fabianski. A player who... You know, we don't know if he's even going to start on Saturday, given the form of the other three midfielders, given the form of Maxi. But him and Callum Wilson last night have done, you know, they've done themselves no um, disservice and they're, and they're right back in the conversation. Confidence. It was just confidence, wasn't it? Because as you mentioned at the start of the show, the old Joe Linton, there's no way he's taking on those two 
defenders and having a pop. You know, that's it, it, the very best ended up in the in the terraces. So you can just see there's a confidence about them. Um, him and Bruno looking really strong. Long Sean Longstaff um, again putting in a, in a in a good shift. Um, you know, it, we, we we spoke about the two Brazilians there. Uh, Lucas Paqueta, obviously for West Ham. If you were looking for a player who performed for West Ham, you, you're looking at him. He looks a very, very good player. And it's probably no no wonder that um, Joe Linton rattled him a few times. Yeah, if I'm completely honest, I, I think, as you say, he was probably the, the standout from a, you know him and Rice, probably from a, a poor West Ham team. I'm just wondering if you're Lucas Paqueta, have you made the wrong decision? And I don't mean that in the sense that you've, you've, you've not joined Newcastle. I mean... Is West Ham right club for him? He doesn't really look like he's been played in you know the right position. It's taken a lot of time to get up to speed. Um, but I think look, he's only had six, seven months in the Premier League. I think give him a full season, give him a pre-season. I think West Ham or whoever might take him off a hands has a really, really good player there. Um, I thought over, over the two games in recent weeks, I thought he was very good at St James's Park as well. Um, but I think Joe Linton had the measure of him for the, the majority of the game last night. Yeah, most certainly, and it's going to be interesting like you say, to to see the starting eleven on 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 Saturday. I mean, Eddie Howe is kind of hinted he he will rotate, but then we know what Eddie Howe is like. He, he probably won't. I mean, or do we know what Eddie Howe is like? You know, he says one thing and something else um, occurs. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Does he stick with a with a winning side? Do you think? Um. It's difficult because you could argue how can you drop Callum Wilson after two very good goals? Does Joe Linton deserve his place back in the team? But if he does, then you know who drops out. I don't think you can come. You can drop Maxi at this run of form. I think Target should come in. I think I'd leave the rest of the back four as it is. Um, but look, this is the beauty of Newcastle United these days. You can change that team. You can make four or five changes, which How doesn't want to do, and they'll still get results. So. Um, I think whoever he goes with on Saturday, every single one of that, you know, even Gordon coming off the bench has been really, really good. Every single player in that in and around the start of 11 is full of confidence. Um, and that'll give Howe a lot of confidence himself and be able to sort of chop and change, which he doesn't usually like to do. How important was it to follow up that My United performance, that My United victory with victory over West Ham? Because I guess if you're properly top four contenders, Despite the quality that West Ham have got, despite the fact they beat Southampton, uh, despite the fact you know you're away from home, you, you've got to be making light work of of, of West Ham, really. I think, uh, as I say, I thought that was good. I thought it was going to be a bit of a banana skin, just given their record at the London Stadium and and the fact that you know you never really know which West Ham's going to turn up. But in, in terms of building their confidence, it was huge to win last night because. They had that huge, emphatic, massive, you know, statement, season-defining win on Sunday. And to back that up with a, you know, a five-goal display in a game where they didn't actually play very well, you know, Spurs and Liverpool and Brighton must be looking at this team thinking, you know, how on earth are we ever going to claw them back? Um, you know, they're 10 points clear of Brentford now, who are, who are eighth or ninth. That could obviously be extended on Saturday. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted something similar last night, but they could generally have Europa League or, or, or Conference League football sewn up by the end of this month, which is just, you know, ridiculous. So, really important to keep it going. You know, big game on Saturday, not a lot of turnaround. Obviously, the players are staying down in London to train down there. Um, 
but you just got to hope this run keeps going. Yeah, get your passports uh, yeah, all sorted out. It was the fifth win in London. Uh, sorry, five games unbeaten in London. I think it's probably four wins and one draw, some of that. But anyway, yeah, uh, that's the best run they've had in the capital since 2014. And you, you used to dread going to London if you were a Newcastle United fan because they were just shocking in the capital. But that's it's another fellow in the cap of Eddie Howe. I mean, he's turning Newcastle United into a proper quality side in which there's no part of the country that they fear going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit annoyed personally because, you know, I lived in London from 2017 to 2021. I went to Arsenal away, West Ham away, Chelsea away, Spurs away, Watford away, and did not see them win once. That sounds like you were the curse then. Well, that's the thing. I, I haven't really been to many away games this season, or if any, and, and they're, they're flying. So maybe it was a me problem. But yeah, look, that it's not just that they're going to London, that, you know, that they're, they're taking on the big six in their own turf, you know. They went to Manchester City and Liverpool and give them a game. You know, this this Newcastle United team, we've said it so many times, they can beat anybody on their day. Um, and as Roger says there, I think the London hoodoo is finally over. You see, I'm going to have to jump in there. I'm going to say, Roger, come back. Uh, it'll be Tuesday next week because of the bank <laughs> holiday and ask that question because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to go too early. They've got a big game against Brentford. But I, um, I, I, I won't be in the away end, so... You know, there should be so, so, so probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Brentford is a is a huge, huge game. I think Brentford are a tremendous side. I think if you're neutral, you're cursing the fact this isn't on 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 telly. Traditional three o'clock kickoff. Um, so it will be on our dedicated live blog on chroniclelive.co.uk. Make sure you head over there to to follow it. Um, they're a good side. I I love watching them play. They were lucky against Manchester United last night. Some good quality players. Ivan Tony, namely the, the the one at the top of the list who I'd love to see in a black and white shirt. It's going to be a difficult game. It's going to be an, an entertaining one, though, I think, as well. Yeah, Brentford have got this really, really good run at home that 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 crowd really get behind them. They've had some big scalps there. Um, but Newcastle have been down there before and got three points. And I think I think it'll be a similar result on Saturday. Wow. Wow, look at that confidence. To kind of phrase, uh, points out that you were at the cup final as well, Aaron. Yeah, maybe I should just be banned from from any game that's not at St James's Park, really. Yeah, so when they reach the FA Cup or Champions League final next season, well, it won't be in London, the Champions League final, I guess. So, but when they if they reach the domestic cup finals next season, I'll, I'll make sure Aaron is not not there. Don't I'll worry watch about that, guys. Um, we've mentioned there, kind of the players that 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 came in. The squad depth is is just it's just fantastic, isn't it? The, the options he's got to choose from, everyone pulling in the same direction, and it is paying it's paying dividend. And it, I, I guess the question is, who who can stop Newcastle United? Um, all the elements are rolling into into this positive, you know, feeling that we're, we're positive wave that we're riding at the moment. Yeah, look, it's going to take a lot to stop this sort of run. I think going up, you know, talking about the squad depth, Isaac and Wilson both performing. You've got six or seven wingers now who are fighting for two spots on either flank. You know, remember that time when Bruno got suspended and we're worrying about fielding the midfield. Now we know they've got real options. Um, and even Saturday, you know, should Jamal Lascelles and Matt Target come in, 
you wouldn't be, you know, totally disappointed. Lascelles has only played two or three games this season, but, you know, he, he has done well against, you know, tricky opponents in Manchester City and Liverpool. They've got options now all around the pitch. Um, Eddie Howe's got that freedom to make changes, you know, which he, he doesn't like to do, but he's now he's got the he's got the option to do it. And he's probably got a bit of licence to do it on Saturday, given that, you know, that they run a games, three in a week um, and two on the bounce in London. So, yeah, really, really good to see. And this is before, you know, a summer of a spending. So, you know, happy days. So if you're Miguel Almiron and you're watching this at home or you're in your, in your box, uh, what are you thinking? You're probably a little bit worried. I mean, this is this is the Newcastle United we're talking about. Four games on the spin that they've won, playing out their skin, and they're doing it all without their top scorer. So if you're Miguel Almiron, I think you're probably a bit worried that when you're back to full fitness in a couple of weeks' time, you're not getting back in this team. I think it would probably split opinion. I, I, I noticed we don't have Joe, the regular uh, Miggy Almiron fan, in the comments yet. I'm sure he would be calling for Miggy's start. But I think a lot of people, if you ask them, would, would actually want Murphy to stay in. Um, and also, Miggy's a great option off the bench you know, with that energy. So it's just fantastic that Howe's got all these options at his disposal. Well, just well, just on that point, I think it's pretty much a, a guaranteed uh, place on the bench for Miguel Almiron when he is fitting back because we saw with Joe Linton, who was raring to go, he's on the bench. You know, Eddie Howe will not change it unless tactically maybe it, 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 it's needed to. Uh, you could say that Joe Linton maybe came in A, because Willick picked up that injury, so there was a one excuse, and maybe just to offer a bit more physicality in the middle against maybe Declan Rice. But unless it's really needed, Eddie Howe's not going to switch out someone who's in form and performing well just because someone's come back from injury or suspension. So even as the founder of the Miguel Almiron fan club, he'll be on the bench, I think, whenever he's back and, and fit to go. But as you say, a tremendous option to have off the bench. Um, Roger says, what do you make of our Rolls-Royce centre-back? A couple of mistakes in the last few games. Yes, not possible to be 100% all of the time. And Botman is that good, but does he need a rest, I guess, on, on Saturday? He's played a lot of games. He's obviously, you know, he missed the, the recent internationals with Netherlands with, with food poisoning. Um, he obviously made that mistake against Forrest and then obviously had a, a, a you know, that, that setback in the international break. But he actually came back and was one of the best players on the pitch against Man United. I thought his distribution wasn't too good last night, but he made some, you know, some big interceptions, some big tackles. Um as I said, they've got the cells there if, if they do want to rotate, and I, and I think Howe probably won't be against it. Big runner games coming up between now and the se- end of the season. If you're going to drop Botman, who, you know, has hardly put a foot wrong, I think now is probably the time to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, just I guess the, the quick turnaround of games, maybe he could just be taken out. But then again, we go back to this. I mean, Howe just doesn't like the switch winning side. So it's going to be interesting. You mentioned there, Aaron, about the anticipated summer spending spree to come. What are you learning from this Newcastle United squad as they're on a brilliant run of form? I mean, what what does that tell you about what they're going to do in the summer? I think it actually throws up a lot of question marks about the summer. You know, we're always sat here talking about, oh, well, you know, they need a right midfielder desperately, which you could argue they still do. But then Miggy... You know, has a blinder first half of the season. Murphy has a blinder second half of the season. Maxi's starting to step up. 
all of a sudden they've got you know more midfield options. The the need for a striker is is lessened because you've both got Wilson and Isaac firing. So Eddie House says he's working on you know his, his list of summer targets. But if I'm completely honest, I think you know we could be looking at an entirely different picture between now and the end of the season, given that players are really really stepping up. Um, and sees in the moment, knowing their futures on the line. Look, they still, they still needs you know new additions. Nobody's going to argue with that, especially playing European football. They probably need another right midfielder, a central midfielder, another young attacker. Maybe there's holes to be plugged, but I think the need to do it is a lot less great when you've got fringe players stepping up and proving that they do have a future at the club. Yeah. Aaron Robson says, squad depth up front is good. We still need a centre midfield and a couple at the back and Turam and Madison, in his opinion. Uh, are Diaby and McTominay still top of your list, Aaron? Diaby is is still, and I think even if Miguel Amaron scored 20 goals this season, I think if a player like that's available, you go and get him. I, I, I don't think McTominay was ever at the top of my list. I think he might have stitched us up a bit there. I think I said I wouldn't mind signing Scott McTominay. Um, but I think you put putting words in my mouth there. Still a very good player. If the deal's right, I would still take him as his depth. But um, I don't think he's he's number two on my on my summer spending list. You don't? Well, it's funny because, look, I've just found your transfer list here. And it says, Aaron, <laughs> my summer transfer list. And it's got DRB McTominay. I can't read that right. And I, I think I don't think that says McTominay. <laughs> um, no, it is great to say. It's going to be really interesting to see what they... They do in the summer. I think personally, I, I still think they need another centre forward in as well, just to uh, share the load, I guess, with the, the top two. But at the meantime, it's not really an issue because they're fit, they're scoring goals. It is fantastic to see this win. Then, Aaron, what does it do um, in terms of the race for you know Champions League football? Obviously, we know we know what it does when it comes to the table. The goal difference is a big, big one, isn't it? I mean, they're already streets ahead of those. Uh, below them, but another massive boost to the goal difference, and just another statement win to um to those chasing below that you know Newcastle are, are, are mean in business and they're not they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they're, they're keeping that gap to fifth, nice and you know at a nice distance. It was you know a big win last night, given that Man United got back on track against Brentford. You look at that gap now to the likes of Liverpool and, and Brentford and eighth and ninth, and you're thinking that you know even if they do miss out on Champions League football, which hopefully they don't they're going to be playing European football next season, you'd imagine. But in terms of what it does for the top four, the, the confidence that it builds in, in the group and among the fan base, actually, um, look, we just we just don't want it to end, do we? No, no. Um, and long may it continue. Uh, it was a privilege to uh, to review this game with you, Aaron, and to uh, uh, be on again for the listeners and viewers of the Everything is Black My podcast. What a lovely result to uh, to reflect on. Just it is a lo- Brent- lovely week, isn't it? Just been it a lovely is. week. I'm just waiting for it to come crashing down. But no. that's the Newcastle fan of old. This is a this is the new new and improved Newcastle. You know they don't let you down. Oof, oof! Someone's going to get that on a t-shirt, and then when they've lost four <laughs> 0 to Brentford. <laughs> No, no, they're not going to lose 4-0 at Brentford. They, I mean, what what is going to happen on Saturday? We're going to have the match preview with John Gibson. That'll be out on Friday on the Everything is Black and White podcast uh, audio channel. So search for that on your podcast provider. Aaron, how is Saturday going to go? Are they going to get another win? Is, is it going to be five on the bounce? Yeah, I, I don't think anybody wants to bet against this Newcastle team at the moment. I think it'll be trickier than last night. Brentford are in a, 
a much better run of form than West Ham. I think it'll be tight, but I think Newcastle at the moment just look a you know a real real force. I think I think they'll win two or three one. Two or three one. Well, there we have it. Like I say, look out for the match v match preview podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From me and Aaron, it's been a pleasure as always. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk. You can catch up on what Eddie Howe has to say about the game against Brentford, and of course, dedicated live match blog on Saturday of Newcastle's trip to Brentford. Thank you very much for tuning in. Mm-hmm.